Father's House Community Chapel Word on the Go podcast. Now to today's message. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. I'm sure when you read this, you'll be wondering why are we reading this on a Sunday morning? Are you there? Okay. These days we want to close early so I can't preach for long. So let's go. Matthew 5, 23, 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, somebody say first. first. I can't hear you say first. first. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. I, I'll take it again. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there you remember that your brother has something against you. Has some grievance against you. Leave your gift at the altar or before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Hallelujah. Last week I began a series... On proton issues or issues. How many of us were here last week? Proton matters, proton subjects, proton concerns. Uh, and I said that for every Sunday in the month of November, we will look at one specific and particular proton issue. So last week we looked at proton and the kingdom. When Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, not all other things, all these things. Talking about the things he had listed, the necessities of life. What shall I wear? What shall I eat? What shall I drink? All these things shall be added unto you. This morning, I want us to look at proton relationships and worship. Let's say it together, proton relationships and worship. When I say relationship, don't think of relationship as in boy-girl. No, that's not what we are talking about. Somebody say proton relationships and worship. Uh, let's say it for the last time. Proton, relationships, and worship. Hallelujah. Now let's remind ourselves of the meaning of the word proton. Last week I said that Jesus, especially in the Gospels, said that there are certain things that ought to come first in our lives as children of God. 
uh, because of the importance of these things in the sight of God. Jesus said that there are certain things that we ought to attend to first before we attend to other things because these things rank high in the sight of God. Jesus said there are things we have to deal with first because these things are things that God places a premium on. Jesus said that there are things that we have to tackle first uh, because in the sight of God, they are major issues. They are not minor issues. Uh, and whenever Jesus used the word first, the Greek word that has been translated into the English word first is the word proton. Somebody shout proton. I can't hear you shout it. Proton. So when Jesus says something like, if a man is going to have a war or a king is going to a war, he will first of all sit down and look at his staff, look at the strength of his army. When Jesus says first there, the Greek word is proton. When Jesus says this is the first and the great commandment, the Greek word for first there is proton. Proton means the first thing. Proton means first in number, first in order, first in volume. Proton means first in rank. Proton means that which precedes other things. Proton means the foremost issue. Proton means the most important thing. And we are talking about in the sight of God. If you are here, say amen. I'll take it again so it will sink into your spirit. Proton means the first thing, the first thing, the first thing. Proton means the foremost issue. Proton means first in order. If you are talking about the order and you are talking about the sequence of things, the first thing is the proton. Proton means first in number. Proton means first in value. Proton means the most important thing. If you are here, say amen. I need to remind you that in the sight of God, all things are not equally important. I said last week that everything in the Bible is important, but not everything is in the Bible is of equal importance. In the sight of God, some are more important than others. In the sight of God, some come before others because of the importance that God to these things and so whilst everything is great in the Bible and all scripture is inspired by God there are certain things that really touch the heart of God and these things because of their weight before God God said they ought to come first if I'm talking to you say amen behold to obey is better than sacrifice sacrifice. God would love to smell your sacrifice as a sweet smelling fragrance that rises up to him. But when it comes to obedience, it is round above sacrifice. Am I, am I talking to somebody? Jesus said you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. So in the sight of God, there are things that are weighty, but there are things that are weightier. 
the essence of this series is so that you and I will come to the place where the things that are the burden on the heart of God will become the burden on our heart. The essence of this series is so that the things that are important to God will become important to us. Who am I talking to here? The essence of this series is so that the things that God places a premium on, we too as children of God, following after the example of Christ, will place a premium on those things. Those things that are the heartbeat of God will become our heartbeat. That is the essence of these teachings. Lift up your hand and say, Lord, burden me with the things that burden you. Come on, scream it again. If you like it, say it for the third time. There are many believers today who don't think about what is on the heart of God. It is their agenda. It is their goal. It is their priority. The concerns of God are relegated to the background. Their concerns are major in their life. But it is an error. There are many believers, I said it the other time, I heard Bishop Duck say something the other time. He said there are many believers who treat God like a spare tie. I drive, I don't know how often I check the condition of my spare tie until I get the tie best. Then I go into the trunk or the boot of the car and check. That is how many of us are. We forget about God until there is a trouble. We forget about God until there is a storm. We forget about God until there is a trial. We forget about God until there are difficult times. We forget about God until the devil raises up an army against us. But it is an error. Am I talking to anybody here? We are coming to the place where God is on our mind 24-7. Am I talking to a believer here? We are coming to the place where it doesn't take a trial for us to remember God but God is constantly upon our minds and upon our house shout yes so there are things that are important to God make no mistake there are things that rank high before God. Matthew 5, 23, 24, what we read, it says, therefore, Jesus is speaking, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother, your sister, has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. Go your way. First. Proton. That means what you are about to do. Is more important to God. Than the offering of your sacrifice. Or your gift at that time. First. Go and be reconciled. To your brother. When that is done, then come take your gift and offer it. Will be tied to you if your gift is a sheep. And it took you five days to locate your brother. By the time you come, you'll be offering rotten sheep to God. But that's just by the way. 
Leave your gift by the altar first. I call this passage, hear me, I, I call this passage the most disobeyed passage in all of the Bible. Dr. B, I call this passage, if not, probably one of the most disobeyed instructions of the law. How many times haven't we read this passage and simply glossed over it? How many times haven't we read this passage and not attached importance to it? How many times haven't we read this passage and treated it lightly? How many times haven't we read this passage and taught in our minds that we can get away without doing it? Am I talking to anybody here? How many times haven't we read this passage and thought that mm, maybe this thing is not really a big deal as it sounds? I, I, I don't think uh, that it is so much of a big deal. How many times haven't we read this passage and said to ourselves we want more important things than this passage. Many of us bypass this passage. Many of us disregard this passage. Many of us don't attach importance to it. I said I call it the most disobeyed verse in the Bible. Therefore if you bring your gift to the altar, watch this. We treat this verse now if you drive you understand what I'm about to say. We treat this verse like one of the instructions we see when we are buying fuel at the fuel station. Yeah? Okay, if you drive, you have bought fuel before. Let me see your hand up. When you get to the fuel station, you see some instructions. Number one, they say switch off your engine. That one is not a problem to you because you know it is important. You do it. Another instruction or piece of instruction you see is no smoking. No open flame. You know how important it is because you are in the regime of, in the realm of fuel. You wouldn't smoke there. True or false? But the third piece of instruction is, in the, pro is the problem. I'm married. They say switch off your mobile phones. How many of you here who have gone to buy fuel can honestly say that as you are buying the fuel, you switch off your mobile phone? Come. Come and let's pray for you. Come, I haven't done it before. And I know you haven't done it before. But you will see the piece of instruction on the wall. Switch off your mobile phones. Matthew 5, 23, 24 to many believers is like switch off your mobile phone at the fuel station. It's not that you don't know it is there. You know that it is there but you don't think it is necessary. It's not that you don't know it is there. You know that it is there, but you don't think it is important. It's not that you haven't read it before. You have read it before, but you think you can get away safely without doing it, without causing any harm to yourself. Switch off your mobile phone, equivalent to Matthew 5, 23, 24. Maybe I should have titled the message, Switch Off Your Mobile Phone. But hear me. Jesus is the one speaking here. And that makes all of the difference. Thank God for all the men that God used to write the Bible. Thank God for all the men that God uses to speak to us. The Apostle Paul, the Peter, the Matthews, etc. But this is Jesus, the Son of God, speaking. 
speaking and that makes a whole lot of difference. Am I, am I talking to somebody here? And, and, and Jesus never says anything he doesn't mean. Jesus never says anything he's not serious about. I, I believe I have read the scriptures through and through. I never came across a verse where God said something and in exactly the verse after it, the Bible said and God was joking. I never did. I never did. God says what he means. And God means what he says. And when Jesus says this, he means what he says. And he is saying what he means. You bypass this to your own head. You neglect this to your own harm. You treat it with contempt and your life can be destroyed. These are the words of Jesus, not the words of a man. Am I talking to anybody? here let me tell you something this thing you are reading here is a command you know another command in the bible that we don't see as a command is lay up treasures in heaven you know it's a command this is a command I'm begging you this is not a suggestion God doesn't give suggestions well, I'm suggesting to you, my son, that you do this and I'll be happy with you. By virtue of who he is, he gives orders. He gives instructions. He gives commands. This is not an appeal from God to us. Are you here? God is not beseeching us. This is not a request from the master. This is an outright command. You see, we can easily accept, we can easily receive, we can easily embrace this as a command. When God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, we don't have a problem embracing it as a command. When God says, thou shalt not kill, we don't have a problem embracing this as a, as a command. When God says, thou shalt not make any graven image or bow down thyself to it, we don't have a problem embracing it as a command. But when God says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, we don't see it as a command. But I came here this morning as a servant of God to make you understand that just as those are commands, this is also a command from God to us. And it is not a lesser command in any way. It is in the same realm of the other commands. And what do you do to commands? Yes, sir. Obey. It is a command. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar and then go look for your brother. Get reconciled to him and then come and offer your gift. Now, you see, Jesus said, bring your gift to the altar. Or your sacrifice to the altar. Let me break that down a little bit. Because we don't offer sacrifices in exactly the same way as the Old Testament saints did. In the Old Testament under the Old Covenant, they would bring their sacrifices of animals. Sometimes of the fruit of the ground to the altar before the priest. 
when Jesus came and died, that system and order of sacrifice died. Are you here? Now in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, we don't offer those animal sacrifices. The Bible says we offer unto God spiritual sacrifices. So Hebrews 13.5 talks about our praise as a sacrifice. Hebrews 13.16, Hebrews 13.15, I beg your pardon, talks about our praise as a sacrifice. Then Hebrews 13.16 talks about other sacrifices that God is pleased with. He said doing good is another sacrifice that God is pleased with. He said helping a brother or sharing what you have with those in need is another sacrifice that God is pleased with. Paul said in Romans 12.1 that the offering of our bodies unto God in itself is a living sacrifice. So we don't sacrifice animals, but our sacrifices are now spiritual sacrifices. Am I, am I teaching anybody anything here? Now, all these sacrifices fall under one word called our worship to God. All these things constitute our worship to God. All these things are aspects of our worship to God. So when Jesus is talking about bring your gift to the altar in the New Testament dispensation, he's talking about all the things we do as believers that constitute worship. I am preaching and teaching. It is an aspect of worship. You are sitting down, listening to the word of God. It is an aspect of worship. When you lift up your voice at home to sing, it is an aspect of worship. When you lift up your voice to pray, it is an aspect of worship. When you see your brother in need and you have what it takes to meet that need and you meet that need it is an aspect of worship. It cuts across the entirety of life. So when Jesus talks about bringing your gift to the altar, Jesus is talking about all the things that encompass our worship unto God. If you haven't subscribed yet, do well to hit the subscribe button for new episodes. Do well to join our Wednesday teaching service and Friday worship service both from 6pm to 8.30pm and Sunday family service from 8.30am to 11 o'clock am and you will be blessed. But Jesus says, when you bring that gift to the altar and there you remember, that your brother has something against you. Don't offer that gift. Proton. First go and be reconciled to your brother. What is Jesus saying? Hear me. Jesus is saying. In his order. In his priorities. Sorting out your issues with your brother comes before the physical offering of your gift. Mm. Jesus is saying, in his priorities, in his order, settling disputes with your sister must come before you actually lift up your voice in worship. Jesus is saying, Ben, that amending the differences between us precedes the actual act of worship. Go 
going into your closet to read the Bible for yourself. Who am I talking to? Jesus saying that in his order, making sure that your relationship between your brother and yourself, your sister and yourself is good, is okay, is of more priority to him than coming to recite verses from Genesis to Revelation on this altar. Jesus is saying that our dealings with one another, our relationships with one another, how I treat you, how you treat me, is of great importance to him and it must come before the actual physical act of worship. Mm. Mm. If you are here, say mm. When you remember that your brother has something against you, Jesus says, stop. Put your gift on pause. Pause. Put your gift on hold. Put your gift on temporal waiting. Because at that time, God requires that you solve and settle issues with your fellow brother. Whoever taught us that our worship went to God is completely isolated from the way we treat each other. As for me, I don't care. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. I don't care who is angry with me. I don't care how they feel. As long as my vertical relationship with God is correct and intact, I am fine. I am cool. I am okay. I don't care who is hurt by what I do. You are living in deception. Oh, my concern is my relationship with God. If that is intact, I am okay. Hey, even that cannot be intact if your relationship with man is not intact. Yeah? Who am I talking to here? This is not the kind of message you gather together on Sunday to hear, isn't it? But this is the kind of message you are hearing. Receive it. Amen? Whoever said that my worship to God is completely isolated from the way I treat Uncle Max and from the way he treats me. Mm. Whoever said that? Today I can be at loggerheads with a brother in church. For two weeks I have not talked with him. Hold the microphone and come and give testimony. Give me five. Husband and wife, two weeks, we haven't talked. We have been banging doors. Bah, bah, to announce our, our presence. Bah, bah, but we, we know the talk. Then I come and hold microphone, preaching. Bah, 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 bah. You will be blessed. But as to whether God approves of it, you see, don't mistake when God blesses something as his approval. Moses disobeyed God, struck the rock twice. God still allowed water to come. But because of that, Moses did not enter the promised land. God says, our relationship, brother, 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 sister, make sure you maintain a healthy relationship. Jesus is not calling us to be friends, to be the best friends of everybody. It's not possible. 
Even Jesus did not treat people equally in terms of who he spent all his time with. Everybody was not his best friend. One time we heard of 72 disciples. That was the only time we heard of them when he sent them out two by two. Another time we hear of 12. He spent most of his time with them. Another time we hear of three. He spent even more of his time with them. Even among the three there was one called John the beloved. So Jesus is not talking about be my best friend, be your best friend. It is a call to healthy peaceful, harmonious relationships in the body of Christ where I am at peace with you and you are at peace with me where I love you because you are a child of God and you love me because I am a child of God. I genuinely care about your welfare and you genuinely care about my welfare. That is what he's talking about. That is what he's talking about. When you bring your gift, you see, John said something. How can you say you love God whom you have not seen? Let's sing it. Sing it. The argument of John is, it is easier for me to love my brother or my sister whom I can see with my naked eyes than to love a God you may never see all your life until you get to heaven. Hmm? So how can you be saying you love God when you don't think about your brother, you don't care about your brother? How can you say you love God and you hate your brother, it doesn't worry you? How can you say you love God and you gossip about your brother? How can you say you love God and you are causing pain to your sister? How can you say you love God and you are backbiting? How can you say you love God and you don't care about putting the wrongs right? Jesus, uh, John says you are a liar. Hmm. Hmm. Let me tell you what, if you don't do this, your sacrifice is useless to God. It doesn't matter what it is. Hear me, any genuine relationship with God will by all means affect your relationship with men. And do you know that God deals with you based on how you deal with men? Yeah. Jesus said, Pastor Andrew, Jesus said, and when you stand praying, forgive. If anybody has wronged you, forgive. For if you don't forgive, your heavenly father also will not forgive you your trespasses. For with the same measure you meet, the same shall be met to you. So, depending on how you forgive me for stepping on your toe, Pastor Andrew, eh, that is the way God says he will forgive you. So, how you deal with me determines and affects the way God deals with you. Who am I talking to here? One day, a lawyer came to Jesus and the Bible said he was tempting Jesus. He said to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, this is the first and the greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength. I thank God Jesus didn't end there. You know what Jesus said? And he said, and the second is like unto it. Meaning, the second is related to it. And what is the second? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you are holding grudge against anybody in your heart, let the Holy Ghost work surgery in your, in your life. 
I am telling you that it is not only prayer that can open doors for you. Even how you treat people can also open doors for you. We quote this scripture, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availed much. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man makes tremendous power available. Do you know the verse that comes immediately before it, what it says? It says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Then it says, the effectual fervent prayer. So after there has been confession, there has been restoration of the friendship or of the relationship and there has been, there has been healing. Then the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, even the powerfulness if there's a word, of, word like that of our prayers when we gather together like that has a lot to do with how we are relating to one another. You know one of the reasons why we don't see the power of God as we want to because we don't have that unity of the first church. You read the book in the, of Acts and they were all with one accord. And they were all with one accord. They had differences but they were all with one accord. They were not from the same place but they were all with one accord. And because of that God could visit them. Uh, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. They are dwelling together in unity. They have different opinions, divergent views but they know the vision is greater than their not differences and so they dwell together in unity they bury together their differences on on we march we are marching to the promised land so jesus said first go and be reconciled to your brother now watch this in matthew here Jesus said, you are offering your gift. And there you remember that your brother has something against you. So in this case, probably, most probably, you are the offender. Your brother is the offended party. Okay. Matthew 18, Jesus turns it around. He says, if your brother sins against you. So in Matthew 18, he's talking about your brother sinning against you. So in this case, your brother is the one who has offended you and you are the one who has been offended. But that is not what Jesus is saying here. In this case, Jesus says you remember your brother has something against you. So in this case, it is not your brother who is the offender. It is you. You are the offender and your brother is the offended party. Are you here? Now watch this. In Matthew 18, Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, meaning you are the one who is offended, go to him. Do you know that when you are the offended one, it doesn't require any humility to go and point out the fault and the mistake of your brother? Ah, ben, if you've done something to me, if you have wronged me, what humility do I need to be able to come here and tell you, oh, Ben, what you did the last time, I don't like it. Because I have the right I'm not the, I, I am the victim. But Jesus says, in this case, you are not the victim. You are the one who has done the offending. And Jesus says, you the one who is the offender. You are to initiate the process of reconciliation. Not the one you have offended. 
And what I am saying is for this one, it requires more humility than for the other one. Yeah. Are you being blessed? Do you want to go home? Hey, if I offend you, it requires humility to come to you, admit my wrong, not justify it, accept I was wrong, apologize, and ask your hand in forgiveness. It requires humility. Proud people will never take the first step. Proud people will always wait for you to come. Proud people will never initiate any move. Because proud people cannot submit to God. If you are proud, you cannot obey this scripture. Am I talking to anybody here? But I came to tell you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So that in due course, God himself will lift you up. Who am I talking to? But does he know who I am? Does she know where I am coming from? Does she know my family? Does she know my background? Does she know my wealth? Does he know the work I, I, I my job? Does he know who I am? Does he know my class? This girl is not in my league. This boy is not in my class. How there he think that I should be the one to take the first step. Humble yourself. You are thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. You have exalted yourself beyond the proper proportions. Am I talking to somebody in this place? Who, the, who does she think he, she is? When did she come? When did she arrive? When we were we? Where were you? Hey, if you are something today, it's only because of the grace of Almighty God for a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven Paul said I am what I am only by the grace of God it is not by might it is not by power it is by my spirit John the Baptist said a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven if God has blessed you stop beating your chest humble yourself Pride. Henry, I'll finish. Don't worry. Pride goes before a fall. In fact, before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Look at what happened to people who were proud in the Bible and advise yourself. The root cause of every fight is pride. Because the Bible says only by pride comes contention. You can call it whatever you want. But the root cause is pride. Why can't I get on with you? I don't like her style. Pride. Why can't I get on with you? She's too known. Pride. The root cause. Only by pride comes contention. Why am I fighting with my wife? And we can't, we can't patch up. Pride. Call it whatever you want. Satan got up and said, I will ascend myself above the stars of God. I will be like the most high. And the consequence was Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall. Lucifer, how art thou falling? 
How art thou been cast to the ground? King Nebuchadnezzar stood in his palace. I can imagine him beating his chest. He said, look at the great Babylon I have built by my own power, by my own strength, for my own majesty. Ah, and the Bible said God turned the human being into an animal for seven years. The Bible said he ate grass like oxen. The Bible said his fingernails grew like the claws of a beast. Mm. Herod got up one day, sat upon the throne, and the people gathered around him and said, this is the voice of a God, not the voice of a man. Immediately, the angel of God struck him, and the Bible said, worms ate him up. Hey, humble yourself. I said, humble yourself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Ah, but the Bible said he humbled himself and became a servant. He humbled himself even unto the position of death. And the Bible said, wherefore, 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 as a result of humbling himself, wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in the heaven, of things in the earth, and of things under the earth, and every tongue should confess to the glory of God the Father. I hear the Bible say, humble yourself in the sight of God and in due season, he will lift you up. I hear the Bible say, God resisted the proud, but God giveth grace to the humble. I keep saying that if Satan is fighting you, you can join forces with God and beat him. But if the devil, if God is fighting you, what do you do? When you are proud, God is your permanent opposition. So you, the offender, I'm closing in five minutes. Jesus said, take the first step. Bury your pride. Swallow your pride. Go to your brother. Go to your sister. Say, I messed up. If you didn't mean to, say, you got it wrong. I didn't mean to. But I'm sorry that you were offended. It doesn't make you less of a human being than you are. It even makes you more. It requires humility. It requires maturity. Maturity. Let me tell you what. Your maturity is not how, many, how much tongues you blow. Because as for tongues, it's a gift. You can get born again today. People get born again today and within five minutes, they are also baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Are they mature? No. Paul went to the Corinthian church. He went there the first time established. Six years later, he went there again. And the Bible said the Corinthian church was a gifted church. First Corinthians 1 says they did not come behind in any gift. Yet he called them babies. And the reason why he called them babies was because there was envy and there was strife amongst them. So spiritual gifts alone are not the surest guarantee of a man's spiritual maturity. It takes maturity. Blessed, I'm ending. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. If it was you and me, I know you. Blessed are the tongue talkers. For they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are those who cast out demons. 
Watch the things that Jesus said they will call you children of God. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Jesus said, by this, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have loved one to another, by this, by this, by this, by this. If there is anybody you are holding in your heart, drop the person today. And purpose in your heart today that you are going to be a peacemaker. Because if you choose to disobey God's command and still think you can offer your gift because you are wiser than God and smarter than God, hear me, that gift you place on the altar doesn't mean anything to God. That gift you place on the altar doesn't have any value before God because it is a gift placed on the altar in disobedience and God has stated emphatically to obey is better than Thank you for listening. You can visit our website at fhcconline.org or follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook via FHCC Official for more information. You can also send us your feedback and testimonies via email to info at fhcconline.org. FHCC, raising ambassadors for the kingdom.